just a couple of quick things before I get into the word. Um, am I really loud? Am I not too loud? I'm all right. Oh, cool. I feel loud. I've been away for too long. Uh, isn't it good that um, we can go away? And we had a four-week holiday, which was great. And the church continues to go on and thrive and keep doing what we're doing. We have a great leadership team. We're a great church. And you all uh, have not even missed us, have you? Is there? No. You can say no. It's all right. I won't be hurt. But uh, it's exciting. And sadly, last week we said goodbye to Katie. She went back to uh, England and is back with her family now, which is really great for her. But continue to pray for her. We are, she really feels Australia is where God's calling her. She felt God speak to her while she was here and had it confirmed. And we support her in that. And we're looking at ways, even as a church, that we can bring her back. And uh, we've in contact with immigration and seeing what options there are as a uh, as in some way or another. So please pray for that. Please pray um, that God's will would be done and that it would be made clear the, the ways we do that. Um, so I'd ask you to pray for that. I've got good news as well. Um, while I was away on holidays, we got our electricity bill. Damien didn't say this. I'll take his thunder. Does anyone want to hazard a guess at what our electricity bill was for the last quarter? It used to be around 1200 a quarter. So anyone got an idea how much it might be? Gordon's going for zero. Not quite, Gordon. Close. No. $74. Isn't that good? How amazing is that? $74 electricity bill. We weren't sure how good the solar was going to be. But God in his wisdom opened the door for us to get it, and it's blessing us as a church. So, <laughs> you are, thanks, thanks, Roy, I take that up. So I'll be looking for the $74 off you soon. But uh, no, nah, it's good, isn't it? God's good, and uh, it's amazing how things work and how God works. But let's pray, and we'll get straight into the Word. Lord God, we thank you for who you are that you are a good God. You're a God that never lets us down. We don't define our lives by the things that happen around us, but we define it by who you are as your children. And we know you are with us and that you are good. And we pray that even today that you would speak to us through your word and bring us into a new place and a new season as we begin 2021. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to take you to a scripture that God has been speaking to me from all through my holidays. It's in 1 John, verse 14, 16, and 17, where it says, The Word became a human and lived among us, the Word being Jesus. We saw his glory, the glory that belongs to the only Son of the Father, and he was full of grace and truth. And in verse 16 it says, Because he was full of grace and truth, from him we, have we all received one gift after another. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the only Son is very close to the Father, and he has shown us what God is like. 
If you had to describe yourself in two words, I wonder what two words you would choose. I think you would take your time if someone said, I want you to describe who you are in two words. I think we would all want to take our time because how can we bring it down to such a small amount? And so you'd want to be very careful about what those two words are. Julie and I, in our holidays, have decided from January 1st that we will walk for an hour every day. So every morning we got up in our holidays, not very early, probably about 9 o'clock or, or uh, later, and we would uh, go for a walk. And on these walks we would have talks, and one day we were talking about um, how, we, how we would describe ourselves. And I asked Julie, so how would you describe me in a couple of words? So I didn't actually say it like that, but I said, how would you describe me? And she said, demanding and stubborn. Now, I'm not going to tell you what I described her as, but um, it, wasn't as, it wasn't as complimentary. You ha- I have to, you give me permission. Oh, okay. Okay. I described, I described her as hard work. I, I felt air come out of the room then. Like, oh, can't believe you said that. We, we have a very honest and open and authentic relationship we were having a bit of fun we were we weren't serious so don't don't uh, we it was a good conversation but uh, we we got to that point that we said you know if we simplified it that's how we would describe each other now in our passage we we have a very clear description in our text of what Jesus was like. And in the same token, it says that he has shown us what God is like. So if Jesus is full of grace and truth, it tells me if we were to sum up God, it would be the same description. The description is very simple. He is full of grace and truth. And last year we talked a lot about having a relationship with God and I I really believe that if we're going to have a truly significant, real, authentic relationship with God, we need to understand what it means when it says that Jesus is full of grace and truth. Because in some instances they seem like two very different things. And we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks, but I believe it's the theme that God has given us for this year, that we would know a God who is full of grace and truth, but we would also be people that are full of grace and truth. And so we're going to look into these two characteristics of God and see why they're so important, not just to our relationship with Him, but also you'll discover that they're very important in our relationship with each other that if we're going to have real and healthy, effective relationships with each other, we need to be operating in grace and truth. So I'm not going to go into great detail today because we're going to expand on it, but I'm going to give you a glimpse. So grace, as we know, grace is God's unmerited favour. Isn't that right? In our passage, it's really interesting that the word grace can also be translated as unfailing love. 
If you look in some biblical translations, it says unfailing love. Jesus came in unfailing love and faithfulness. Very, very interesting because love and grace are very closely linked. Now, the Bible tells us very clearly we can't have a relationship without grace. Uh, Frederick, I can't pronounce his name, Buchner, says grace is something you can never get but only be given. There's no way to earn it or deserve it or bring it about any more than you can deserve the taste of raspberries and cream or earn good looks or bring about your own birth. It's pretty interesting. I'll give you that a moment to ponder on that. But it's, there's no way we can earn it or deserve it or bring it about any more than you can deserve raspberries and cream. It's a powerful statement. It brings us to the fact that the only way we find salvation, the only way we can have salvation and have a relationship with God is through grace. The Bible says it very clearly in Galatians, not Galatians, Ephesians 2, 8, where it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is by God's grace, God's gift of grace, that we have been saved. In other words, we have been brought into relationship with God. When I think of grace, I believe what it shows us about God is it shows us the heart of God. It shows us what his heart is all about. It's about that unfailing love, that undeserved gift that God gives us. And this, this idea of God's grace, often we think about it from the fact that we are sinful and, and God had to give us grace to save us. But you need to understand that God was gracious before the fall even happened. Bef- before sin had even come into the world, our God was a gracious God. Think about the Garden of Eden. Think about... The creation story that God created Adam and Eve. And what did he do? He graciously gave them a place to live. He graciously gave them this garden that had everything they needed. And within that garden, they, they had connection with God and there was nothing to hide. There was no shame or guilt or fear or anything else. There was beautiful, open, authentic relationship. Because our God's heart is to give. Our God's heart is to be gracious. And it's so important for us to understand that God's plan has not changed. Just as in the Garden of Eden, he wanted to give them a place where they could have open, authentic, vulnerable relationship with him, where nothing was hidden. The reason Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us was to do the same thing. To make a way for us to have open, real authentic relationship with him and it is possible because of his grace now our passage tells us though that jesus didn't just come in grace sometimes we like to finish there don't we yes god's gracious it's wonderful but our passage says very clearly that he also comes in truth now truth describes how things really are and it's really complicated in today's world because The truth has been complicated. 
It's been watered down. It's been changed. And some of us are thinking, what is the truth these days? But the fact is, God says that he is the truth. And if, God sh- if grace shows us the heart of God, then I believe truth is, sh- is what shows us how God works and operates in our world. It shows the way he does things. It's like the structure to his heart. It's like the body of his work, that everything he does is truth. Does that make sense? That he is a true God. He is a faithful God. What he says, he does. We're just saying he will never, ever let us down. Why can we sing that? Because that is God's word to us. And he never lies like men. He always tells the truth. The Bible tells us when it comes to truth in John 8.32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How good is that? That's what we want. Remember last year I said that if we want to know who we truly are, we need to know who God is. When we know who God is, that gives us reference for who we are. If he is the creator, then we are the created. Is he, if he is the source of all, all life and the giver of all life, then we are the receiver of his life. Does that make sense? See, he is truth, and so he gives us the truth about who we really are. That's what John 1.14 is telling us. In Jesus, we have all that is required to have a relationship with God. We have grace and truth. God's amazing grace makes a way for us to, to know God and to have a relationship God, with God, but his absolute truth reveals to us the truth about who he is, the truth about who we are, and the truth about the world around us. He is our reference point for everything. The way we respond to God's grace and truth determines the intimacy we have with God. But I want to say this as well. The way we respond to his grace and truth will also affect every relationship we have here on earth. It's not just contained to our relationship with him. It is also about what we experience with each other. And this brings us to the problem especially in the church, when it comes to this idea of grace and truth. I've grown up in the church. I've been a part of a church where they focused a lot on truth and very little on grace. And do you know what I discovered? I discovered legalism and judgment. That They taught very much, you should not do this and you should not do that. And if you're doing this or that, you're going to that place we don't like to talk about, hell. And they were very clear on that. And that. But the problem was there was very little grace. And so nobody wanted to let anyone know the sins they were doing because they were too scared that they would be judged, that they would be kicked out, that they would be driven out. Anyone experience that in a church? See, when we have too much truth and not enough grace, we end up in legalism and judgment. The other side of the story is that we can have too much grace and not enough truth. When we weigh too heavy on grace, and Paul talks about this a lot in Romans, 
but when we weigh too much in grace and very little truth, what tends to happen is liberality and license. People go and they don't have boundaries and they don't know when to stop and where to stop. And so the Bible talks about it as they run amok and they do what's right in their own eyes because they don't have the truth to guide them. But there must be some balance in the middle because Jesus came, and, uh, and the Bible says this, so it must be true, it's not just me. He didn't just come in grace, although he is grace, but he also came in truth because he is truth. So what I believe God is calling to us as a church is for us to find that balance, that middle ground, where we live in both his grace and truth equally. And we have an amazing example in Jesus, an incredible example in Jesus. He, show, he t- says, it, it's, it says it itself in 1 John, uh, John 1, 18, where it says, if we want to know what God is like, look at Jesus, because he shows us what God is like. And so if we look at his life here on earth, we see the balance of grace and truth. And I want to share with you a story where we can see this operating. And it's powerful to see how God operates in grace and truth. And it's found in John 8. I'll put it up on the screen for you. John 8, 3 to 11. Let's read it together. As he was speaking, talking about Jesus, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. So This is really interesting because Jesus is caught in a situation where it's like if he says, yes, stone her, he's agreeing with them. But at the same time, he would be disobeying the Roman law because they weren't allowed to follow those laws as they were under Roman law, and so that he would have got in trouble with the Romans. So if he said, yes, let's do it, he was in trouble. But if he says, no, don't do it, he's also in trouble because they're saying you're not doing the Jewish law. So he's caught between a rock and a hard place, and they're trying to trap him. And so... It says, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. How I would love to know what he wrote. But it doesn't say that. And they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up and said, all right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. We all know this story. It's a powerful example of Jesus showing grace and truth. You see, in this encounter, Jesus offers this woman grace in the form of acceptance and forgiveness. In effect, because of what Jesus has done for this woman, 
She did not need to die for her sin. Doesn't that sound familiar? Because of what Jesus has done for this woman, she does not need to die for her sin. He knew full well who she was. It was obviously very clear that she was an adulteress. But he does not condemn her, as he says, neither do I condemn you. Even though, think about this for a moment, even though he was probably the one person in that crowd who was actually eligible to throw the stone. Think about that. He was without the sin, the Bible says. So he, in every right, could have picked up a stone and begun the process. But he chooses not to condemn her. It reminds me of John 3.17, where it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is God's grace. God's grace is not about condemnation. It's about saving. It's about rescuing. It's about restoring and healing and wholeness. We do not serve a God of condemnation. But at the same time, Jesus gives great truth into this situation. He, he shows great grace, but he also declares great truth. When he says those powerful words, you, with, you without sin cast the first stone. If we think about it on, in Christian terms, we would refer to Romans 3.23, where Jesus was reminding everyone there that you have all sinned. And you've all fallen short of the glory of God. In that one statement, he brings truth that cuts the air like a knife. And he speaks the truth and he reminds every one of us, like he would today, that we're all in the same boat. That without Jesus, we're all sinners. Without Jesus, we're all broken. Without Jesus, we're all separated from God because of sin. That's the truth. That's the reality that we can't have a relationship with God without Jesus, that we are all sinners, that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. But we need to understand in this one moment that Jesus talks to us really carefully about this because as church and as a world, we love to focus on the levels of sin, don't we? Often we might be saying to ourselves, hey, I'm okay, my sin's not as bad as so-and-so's sin, is it? Like, they, they did that. You know, I might have told a lie, but they did that. And we, think, we sort of justify our sin. But in this statement, Jesus makes it clear, all sin is sin. There's no categorization with God. Sin is sin. And although we like to fall into the trap where we like to, to say, oh, maybe ours isn't as bad as someone else's, we're only fooling ourselves. Because Jesus reminds us of the truth that without God's grace, we are all sinners. We are all like the adulterous woman. Not needing condemnation, but needing grace. thing is, we will only ever find who we are and who we truly are with God if we do acknowledge that. If we do acknowledge 
Yes, I'm just a sinner without God. I need God's grace. Because when we acknowledge who we really are, that we are broken, that we're damaged, that sin has had its effect on us, and we come to God and say, God, I need you. I need your grace. Forgive me for what I've done. Forgive me. And we repent and say, God, I need you. That's the way we actually discover who we really are as children of God. And this is the truth that God, Jesus is wanting to bring into this situation. Yes, this woman's a sinner, but guess what? You're all sinners. And you all need grace. And I'm not here to condemn, but I am here to save. To put it simply, Jesus is all grace and truth because it is his grace that redeems us into relationship with him, but it is, it is, let me get that out, it is his truth that sets us free. His grace redeemed us, redeems us, but it is his truth that sets us free. There's one more interaction in this story that I want to look at in closing. And it's that part of the story where Jesus says, and the very, verse th- very last thing he says, he says, Go and sin no more. I've often thought about this passage and this statement. And I think, Jesus, why did you say that? Why did you do that? Because grace-focused people, and let me be um, open and honest with you, I've probably tended, because of my upbringing in a truth-focused church, I've probably weighed more heavily in the area of grace in my nature and in the way I am, that's being honest, saying it as it is, and this is speaking to me, this message, just as much as I hope it's speaking to anyone else here. But as a grace-focused person, I would often go, Jesus, you're just setting her up for failure. She, she's most likely going to sin again. How can you tell her to go and sin no more? That just seems really hard. Has anyone ever thought that? If you're in the truth-focused camp, you're probably going, good on you, Jesus. That's the way it should be. Tell her to keep on the straight and narrow because if she makes a mistake, you know, who knows what could happen. That's a very slippery slope and she could end up back wherever. And, uh, and so truth-focused, you're like, yes, it's, you've got to work hard. You've got to work hard to, to stay close to God, which is truth on both sides, but there must be... I believe the real truth and the real understanding we need to find is somewhere in the middle. Because when we experience God's grace and truth, as this woman did, if I was to paraphrase what Jesus is actually trying to say here, um, I would say it like this, and I hope it makes sense. But I would say, What Jesus is trying to say is to her is, go now and live a life that honours the grace and truth you have received. Go now and live a life that honours this amazing grace and this incredible truth that you have just received. That's what God asks from us. Can you imagine the type of church we would be if we made it our absolute priority 
to live our lives in a way that honours the incredible grace and the amazing truth that we have received. It would be revolutionary. That if in our minds we would be reminded every day that without God's grace, I am just a sinner. And so I'm going to live my life in a way that honours that grace and truth that I have received. When we have that, that attitude, I believe it would bring some authenticity to our lives. When we live like that, when we live honouring grace and truth, I, I believe what could happen is that we would take off masks and be real about who we are. Yes, this week I've struggled with this, but I, and, I, and I'm being honest about it because I, ne- I know and I want to continue to live in God's grace and truth. So I'm not going to hide anything anymore. I'm going to be real and vulnerable and honest because we understand the truth that we are all sinners without God's grace. And, and God's truth sets us free because we understand that he sees us all equally, that he doesn't see some as better than others. He sees us all through the eyes and the grace of Jesus Christ. So he sees us equally and we, we can throw out this idea that some of us are more important than others because we have a greater status or I'm more important than someone else because I'm the pastor of the church. So I must be more important, which is a load of rubbish because God doesn't see me as more important. He sees me equally to anyone else in this room. He, and, he, and his grace is equal and without his grace, we're all in the same boat. We're all lost and broken and damaged. And if we could understand that, we could live in a, a reality that we could live in real, open, vulnerable relationships with each other. We, we, could, we could stand here, dare I say, like an AA meeting and stand up and say, I'm a sinner. My name's Ben. But I've found God's grace. And this week I might have made a mistake here or there, but I am trusting in his grace. And I want your support to help me do that. Because that's the truth, isn't it? Who here hasn't done anything wrong this week? What? No one? That's incredible. Oh, yeah. And you've already done something wrong, and it's only Sunday. That's pretty bad. But guess what? God's grace covers you. And that you can be open and and say, yeah, I'm not perfect. But together, equally, in God's eyes, we can work through stuff. And we can get stronger and we can get better. How good would that be? Let me say this. Your status is not determined by what you have or what you do. Think about it. I'm going to say it again. Your status is not determined by what you have You might have a nice house, you might have a good car, you might have a great job, you might have a beautiful family. Your status is not determined by that. It's not determined by what you do. I serve tirelessly at Pop-Up Kitchen and I, I do this and I do that. It's not determined by that. Your status is solely, det- is solely determined by what Jesus has done for you. In other words, his grace. That's what we boast in. That's what we celebrate in. That's what we sung about today. 
his grace that he will never, ever let us down. You know, the Port Church was founded on the principle of relationships. That's what we talked about. We talked about when we started this church, relationships are what matter most. You can read the mission statement out there that says, oops, we are a church where loving God, loving each other and loving the community we live in counts for everything. Obviously, it begins with the relationship with God. But we understand as a church that God never intended our relationship with him to just be contained to us and him. Isn't that right? I've said it many times before in the Garden of Eden. God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Adam had God and him. And guess what? It was not good. And so God made Eve because he wanted what God, Adam and God had together to be shared with others. God wants you to have what you have with God, that incredible grace and truth, to be shared with those around you. How good is that? He, he wants us to share and, it be, and he wants us to share his grace and truth with each other. The exciting thing about this is that when we begin to experience, um, share grace and truth and relationship with each other, the thing that we can find is that God dwells in our relationships. And in each other, we discover things about God that we never could have discovered on our own. Victor Hugo, the writer of Les Miserables, says it this way, And remember, the truth that once was spoken, to love another person is to see the face of God. That when we are showing grace and truth to each other, it's an actual opportunity for us to experience God himself. How powerful is that? I believe that's what God is calling us to this year. That within our relationships, authentic, real relationships with each other, that we might experience God's grace and truth in a greater way. Describes it like this in 1 John three sixteen to 18. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. There's that word truth again. Let's talk less and let's do more. Let's, let's not just say we believe God loves us and we should love each other. Let's actually love each other. That's living in grace and truth. And I believe that's what God is calling us to this year. That I want to invite you as a church to come with me and commit to making relationships a priority this year. But not just any kind of relationships. Relationships that are founded and grounded in grace and truth. Because it's these type of relationships that will really cause us to grow. Let's pray.
I'm not going to ask you for a response today because I think it's pretty obvious. But I'm going to ask you to pray with me and to ask God to help us to live in his grace and truth. Not just with him, but also with each other this year. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. And we know your word is truth. And truth sets us free. But it's not just about truth, it's also about your incredible grace. And God, we call on your grace today to help us. We know we can't do this in our own strength. We can try as hard as we like, but we can't do it because we need your supernatural strength and life-changing power to do it. In other words, we need your grace, your empowering grace that strengthens us and enables us to live lives that honour the grace and truth that we have received. Lord, that's what we're asking, that you would help us, like you helped that woman caught in adultery, to live lives that honour the grace and truth we have received. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to make an announcement now as well to finish off today, which flows on from my message. And um, as a church, we're really committed to people over programs. We're, we're committed to relationship over resource. We said that a lot over the years. This church is not about programs, it's about people. We're not, we're not worried about resources as much as we love this building and that. It's not about this building, it's about relationships. And uh, we've often said that we're a spirit-led church that is community-driven, which means we don't allow tradition to stop us doing what God has called us to do today. And last year was a tough year. Who had a tough year last year? COVID and everything else that happened, it was a difficult year. And I, I honestly feel, even over my holidays, I feel, felt that the, the strain of last year is still amongst us. That people are still a bit worried, what if an outbreak happens? What are we going to do about this vaccination and all of that sort of stuff? And there's still this like, he feels the cloud hanging over, that it, what, what could happen? And we even discovered like last November that all of a sudden things can change so quickly by one outbreak and over my holidays I was I was reading a lot and I, I was reading about grace and truth a lot and about relationships and how relationships are so important and uh, it felt like everything I would read or watch would challenge me on relationships you know Julie and I even just watched binge watched in the last little while of our holidays a program called Anne with an E. I don't know if anyone's ever watched it. It's Anne of Green Gables in like modern depiction of it. And it was lovely, Damien, don't laugh. Yeah, it was very heartwarming. It was, you need to, it was very heartwarming. It was very wholesome. It was just, it was nice. And it was really, but the thing about it is you saw really people that really loved each other and cared for each other and, you know, this, brother and sister, elderly brother and sister had this young adopted girl come into their life and they weren't ready for it but she transformed their life from like the, the 
sister was this crabby old woman and and she softened and it was in, it just amazing to watch and it just showed me the power of relationships. And so I talked to our leadership team before I came off holidays and I said, I feel like something needs to change in our church. I want us to really focus on relationships. And, and I, I made a suggestion and they all came back to me uh, with it and they all, many of them, talked about the need for relationship or the importance of relationship. And so as a church leadership, we decided to make a step of faith and, and to put our money where our mouth is. And if we're talking about, we're about people over programs and, and relationship over resources, and we want to be that type of church, we, we made a decision as a church that we're going to, for the next eight weeks up until Easter, we're going to stick with just one service on a Sunday at 10 a.m., we're not going to go to two because at the moment we feel that we need to take some time out to actually focus on building relationship. Running two services every Sunday takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of resource and it takes a lot of energy. Energy that you could better be used to build our relationships with each other. And what we want to do is actually do some stuff together that we can actually work on building relationships which might include some lunches and some stuff like that after church on a Sunday morning. But we want to invite you as a church to join us for the next eight weeks. We're saying it's a, only till Easter, so Easter is the beginning of April. And we want to make that commitment to just doing the 10 a.m. service and making our focus all about building relationships, rebuilding some relationships. I'll just be totally honest, I feel like for some of us, we feel a little bit disconnected from each other. And we need to re-establish relationship and really make that our focus. We could run two services and it's good, but, but it would feel like we would just be continuing the same old, same old. And we need to actually put one thing aside to pick another thing up and to make it our focus. Does that make sense? So... As part of this next eight weeks, what we also want to do is, leading into Easter, we want to do six weeks of prayer and fasting as well. That in a couple of weeks, we will spend some time as a church praying together. Because it all stems out of our relationship with God. And so we're going to create some space where we are praying and, and supporting each other. We're going to have a Bible reading um, program that we will all read the same passages together and that will even make may even do some worship and prayer nights during the week or at some time, maybe even on a Sunday night, who knows. We'll just play it by ear and just see what happens. But where we can just come together and just pray together and worship together and just spend some time loving each other and loving God. Uh, and so that will be in a couple of weeks' time. We'll start that and it'll lead six weeks into Easter. And, um, and we're not sure... We're not saying, oh, we'll go back to two services after the eight weeks. We're, we're actually leaving it open. And I'd love your input. I'd love you to come and talk to us about it. Talk to me, Damien, Linda, um, who else is on the list? Matt, Mao, Judy. Talk to them about it. Talk to your heart and what you're feeling. But we really feel at this time that it's for the health of the church and for the health of each other that to go to one service each Sunday is the appropriate measure. And that in that time that we really make an effort and a focus on 
encouraging and supporting one another and loving each other in grace and truth. Does that sound okay? It's different, and I know it might be a shock to some of you. It might be a surprise. Please come and talk to us if you're worried about anything. We don't, you understand we, we like to be open and honest and vulnerable, but come and talk to us. But we're going to continue this. You'll see it on the new program. There's new programs out in the foyer. You'll see it all listed there. You'll see the stuff that's happening. But we want to encourage you to, I want to encourage you to come with us on this journey. And it, we want to see our mission fulfilled, loving God, loving each other, and loving the community we live in counting for everything but that has to be built upon relationships it can't be built on programs because it, it, it won't stand and we'll just all be tired and weary and eventually burnt out so we want to focus on what matters most and that's relationships amen